Episode 37, Vulnerability. Welcome to the story in your head. I'm Ron Macklin, and today Michelle and I discuss vulnerability. We share personal stories of how being vulnerable has affected not only our personal relationships, but also our career paths. We'll also dive into the hidden power of being vulnerable with others and issue a challenge for not only ourselves, but for you, our listeners as well. Are you looking to strengthen your relationships, whether personally or professionally? You want to learn how to build authentic connections faster, or perhaps you're looking to beat employee burnout through the power of connection. My name is Ron Macklin, founder of Macklin Connection. And in our workshops, we teach you the fundamentals of how to do exactly that and more. To learn more of the power of your relationships, visit us at MacklinConnection.com. Hello, everyone. Today, we're going to talk about vulnerability. Okay, so handy-dandy Oxford Language Dictionary says vulnerability is the quality or state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed, either physically or emotionally. So that's the standard common definition. So Ron, how do you hold vulnerability? Thanks, Michelle. Similar to that. I mean, like it is like that is a description of the word, like a meaning of the word but there's more to it for me. So there's a part about being vulnerable as in you're open to attack, you're you're open to either physical harm or emotional harm. That that part is true. I'm not going to disagree with that. What is the power of it? Like how does it show up for me? First, being vulnerable, and I love what Tyler said in the last episode, right? It's saying the things that other people can really value hearing. And it's those stories inside our head that we feel that we're not good enough, not smart enough, fast enough, strong enough, quick enough, whatever the story is we have. And it's to talk about those fears about that and to talk about them in front of others in a way that enables them to relate to it. So being vulnerable is sharing their stories that are inside your head that talk about what your fears are, that show where you are weak, where you have a story that you're weak, where you may actually be weak. And like that's, that's the definition of it. The power of it comes from nobody wants to admit that they're weak. Nobody wants to admit that they're afraid. Nobody wants to show where they're vulnerable. And when somebody starts the conversation and starts into being vulnerable, to being open to sharing their fears, it gives a place for everybody else who's listening to relate, because we all have the same fears. We all have our own version of the same fears, not fast enough, not smart enough, not quick enough. And when somebody opens a world of being vulnerable, it gives people a chance to feel not alone, that there's somebody else in the world with them that have the same kind of fears that I do. And to not feel alone is a quick way to be connected, to feel connected, to be connected to actually open up a place where you can work together with deep trust. And there's trust like, oh yeah, I I trust you to show up on time and all that kind of stuff. And then there's trust like deep trust, which is like, 
I'm going to share my fears. And it's okay to share my fears. And when you share yours, it's okay to share them with me. And that deep trust, you know somebody is, uh, in a met- the metaphor, they got your back. Yeah, thanks, Ron. The first thing that comes to mind when I read the definition out of the Oxford Dictionary is, well, the story I make up is a bad thing, right? Vulnerability. You don't want to be vulnerable. But there's power to vulnerability. And I love the phrases, right? Talk about fears and that you're not alone. And people have very similar fears in the world, which is kind of amazing as the as the more you look into it. So for you, is there any particular story where vulnerability changed something for you or for somebody else? Well, there's a couple of examples. Probably one of my one of my favorites is sitting at the at the dinner table with with Monty Roberts and and we're just having a casual conversation about you know all kinds of stuff, and then I noticed he was talking about his fears. Not like he doesn't really know me that well, but he's open to talking about that, like to being vulnerable, to sharing what he's afraid of. And like what, what it opened up for me was as I started to look back on different situations where I met people, and I noticed that the more powerful I assess the people to be, and the power meaning they're able to live the life they want, the more vulnerable they were. The more they talked about their fears, like they had fears, the fears didn't have them. And it opened a new world for me. And, and I've noticed several people when you talk about your fears. And I even have one of them that's Connie and I were, Connie was pregnant. We were pregnant with our first child. And like I had a dream that we lost a baby. And I woke up the next morning, went to work, and found out later we lost a baby. And what I made up a story was is that I'm, I'm not really qualified to be a dad. It's like a space I made up. And then we had, pregnant was Garrett this time. We had a, a baby that was dropped off at our house. Like, like somebody abandoned the baby. They knew we were getting ready, so they gave it to us to watch it for a bit. And we had her for three days, and then they took her away, which makes sense. She goes back to this, right? But here's what I saw. I had a baby in my house, and, and I loved it and took care of it. And then they took it away, and I made it up again. I wasn't, wasn't good enough to be a dad. And it wasn't until about 24 years later that I was able to share that with Connie, that I had that fear inside me, inside that space. And what it opened up for us in the space when I finally shared that with her was a connection that was even, even though we've been together since we were like, I don't know, 15, the connection was so different after that. To be vulnerable, to be open, to share my fears. And it really was a space that, I still have a head to story in my head that I'm really not qualified to be a dad. And it wasn't until I spoke it out loud that I could actually, in my head, logic through, you know, I've got three kids, you know, they're, they're all alive and made it to 18 and they're on their own. And that I could actually look at that. And it opened up stories for Connie to share stories about her fears and what she's in even though we've been together all this time, there's just a whole new level of vulnerability with each other. We, we get to a place where even after 20 some 30 some odd years, there was a new space for us because of the vulnerability that I, I shared with her. And I find the more vulnerable I am, the easier it is to connect with people, people I've never met before. And when you share a vulnerable story, what I notice is, Shortly thereafter, somebody will walk up to you and say, 
Thanks for sharing that. I don't feel alone now. Thanks, Ron. That's a, that's a long time to carry that story. It, it's not like I sat around going, well, today I'm going to carry that story. Oh, today I'm going to carry it. No, it just, <laughs> it just like drifted until I had the distinction that it was in my head and I could share it. But it was in me. That's great. Thank you for sharing that one. I'm thinking about for myself, which ones made a big difference for me. And there's certainly a lot of those, but one of the ones that I remember, a person that shared vulnerability was actually the CEO of our company. So he was speaking to a lot of folks, right? He's the one of the top CEOs, $50 billion, Fortune 50 company. And what he was talking about was when he recently took on the role, maybe he was in it six months. And he was talking about how lonely he was. That it was the loneliest job he's ever had. And everybody was like, what are you talking about? Because people, number one, right, held him to this role. And he's like, well, nobody really tells me what's going on anymore. Right? I, I don't know. They're scared. I don't know what to do. Right? Because he wanted to know kind of what was happening in the company so he could make changes and the demands of the job right, were almost 24 hours a day and how that affected his relationship with his wife and how he was working with that and what he was going to do there and being honest about what sometimes it takes to be at those senior levels in companies and to also make sure people knew what they were, what the commitments were, right? So they could make a decision for themselves if they wanted to continue to advance to certain levels. But he was always, and I admired him very much because he also was not afraid to cry on stage when he talked about a patient that one of the drugs that we had developed saved, right? To be, to show the emotion and the proudness that he had of that. And it really set a culture for the company and for people to talk about, you know, life sometimes in a very demanding career, which isn't always discussed, right? But it opened that space for everyone to have the decision and make decisions then of what you wanted to do as you continue to advance your career, right? You could make a decision based on that information. So I, I just remember that one because it did steer me to different spots in the company because of that and different direction of my career. Can you tell me a little bit more about that uh, different direction? So I had this story, right? How you advance in a career, you go from, you know, you keep just going to the next level, right? You go from a manager to a director to a senior director, executive director, vice president, blah, 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 right? Whatever titles that they have within the company, very hard, hierarchical. And each one had a different demand, I would say, depending on the types of roles. The next promotion for me would have been a vice president in the standard way of sort of moving forward. It probably, it, I know it would have, because I had talked about folks, I could have the discussion with the people, my managers on what would be required at the next level, right? From a time commitment, from a lifestyle commitment. And is that what I wanted? I wasn't going to change the company. This is a company with, you know, I don't know, 100,000 people, it works the way it is. You know, I've got to fit into that. And it wasn't going to work for me, right? And that's a really tough decision sometimes to make, but it didn't mean my career ended there. It meant I had to think about a different offer to the company and one that would work for me, which maybe would have a slightly different structure to it. So, so one of the things that, that I'd worked with, I was very lucky, there's an opportunity that opened up to work in the philanthropic area within the company, which I couldn't think of a better place to work. Now, what was interesting is that the job demands were no less, 
but the purpose that I felt I was working towards was one that I could really get behind and one that I could integrate better into my life and into the family. So I, I was working as a digital leader to help reduce maternal deaths around the world. And it had such an impact on the world of what I could do. So there's still a lot of travel. Instead of going to Asia, I was going to Africa, which is a challenging continent sometimes to travel around and, and do work within. But I don't think I ever would have thought of that role if I didn't hear our CEO talk about the life of what I would call the traditional hierarchical, you know, structure of where you would have to go in the company, there might be another place that I could fit and really think about the purpose of what I wanted to accomplish and, and make that shift. Thanks, Michelle. So that's the difference he made with you and, and made for others. How do you go about being vulnerable? What is the steps you take? You're going to say, oh, okay, I'm going to be vulnerable. Now what? Yeah, you know, I thought about that as, as I prepared for this. And for me, one of the first times that I really felt vulnerable was a physical vulnerability was where I sort of started. And that was when I was pregnant. When you're pregnant, you know, I was sort of in the invisible age, you know, as you're younger, right? You can always muster up the strength of this, the that, to do whatever you need to do in life. But when you're pregnant, you can't. I had to take naps. I'm like, I can't believe this. I have to take naps. I have to slow down. Right? I literally just could not walk as fast. And, and I remember one time I'm standing in front of this bank of elevators needing to go up. And of course, the elevator that opens up, the door that opens up is at the far end of the bank. And I didn't make it there in time. And the doors closed and I had to press the button again. I was like, oh my God, am I really that slow? How did that happen? And I needed a lot of help to get through that time. There's just no way I could do it on my own. Right. So part of that was a physical vulnerability, which led me to sort of the emotional vulnerability of we all need help and we all have similar stories. And where I took that is a lot of times when I would talk to my employees and coaching my staff, they had this story that the company was number one. Right. And I would talk about my family and how the difference is like I'm working to take care of my family. And the vulnerability it takes to admit that you're there to take care of your family and the company actually isn't number one, it's there for a purpose. And I would see sighs of relief from people to say, well, yeah, I just want to go to the baseball game at three o'clock on Fridays. And it's really stressing me out that I don't have it because there's obligations. I'm like, we can make that work. But they had to, they were scared to kind of admit that they really wanted to go to their kid's baseball game because they felt if they said that, that it would be the story that they held, that it would be against the company or they get mad at them or it wasn't dedicated enough and all sorts of things. So that's where a lot of those stories worked for me to help me really understand how to work in a way that's integrated with my whole life and to keep in front of me what's most important to me. And, and it's okay that it's my family and my health and other things because that's what it is. That's great. Thanks, Michelle. And how about for you? How do you find vulnerability? You know, it, it took a few years on, on your first story there that you told, I think 24. I'm sure some other vulnerable stories took a little less. How did that space open up for you? So when I noticed the mechanics of when you share a vulnerable story, you actually give everybody else permission to put their shield down, right? And the shield is not a physical shield. It's a story that they use to defend any kind of attack. And when you share a vulnerable story, and I, what I noticed was when you do that, like it, it opens up a space for them to listen. 
I hear you differently. And so there's a moment as you're working to connect with somebody when you build the instinct and you begin to notice this is a time for a vulnerable story. And then like I, I don't find myself doing this. Oh, here's a vulnerable story and just throw it out there because, you know, I've got decades of history of not telling vulnerable stories. And that's a bad thing to do as I grew up. And what I've found, like a, the strategy that I use for that space is one, to acknowledge in my own like stories in my head. When you're talking to yourself, right, you go, okay, this is the moment to do that. right? And then notice that your body is going to react. Because being vulnerable is means you're open to attack, which means your body's going to kick in, you know, the, the fight, the flight, the freeze. One or all of those things can show up. And the story I use, I get it from a movie. If anybody's been around me, you guys know I, I, I take quotes from movies all the time and use the heck out of them. This one is uh, from Nobody's Fool when this little kid had to carry uh, uh, somebody's false leg, fake leg, over to the other guy, right? He's had to carry it like you know, 10 feet across the room. And Paul Newman goes, this little kid, he goes, all you got to do is be brave for seven seconds, right? It's not like brave forever, just seven seconds. And what I notice when I use that story with myself, okay, brave for seven seconds, I can start. Because once you start, you're going to finish, you know, because it's, it's a release. It's a, it's an opening of space. It's a space to do that, but the courage to start occasionally seven seconds uh, goes by <laughs> and I still haven't started. Right. And then I notice that the story I use after that is surrender to being enough. And I use the word surrender, even though that seems like giving up, it's more surrendering as in giving up, up that I am enough. Like, like there's no, I got to be better than what I am or any of that space then I am enough and what I have could make a difference for me and what I have could make a difference for the other person. And then I start to talk. And whether you use, I use the brave for seven seconds or it's the surrender to being enough, either one of those, right? Once I start to tell the story and be vulnerable, my body just kind of kicks in and takes over. Like I'm not choosing my words. I'm just being in the moment. And Normally, when you share a vulnerable story, at the end of it, there's a space that like nobody's talking. My first thoughts were, they're all going, did he really say that? I can't believe he said that. That's not very cool. And that's n- nobody I've ever found actually had that story. What they normally have, and it was a report to me, and I noticed for myself, is they're always in a space of, wow, that was pretty bold. Can I be that bold? That guy's like me. He's as scared as I am. That guy has the same fears, the same doubts, the same concerns that I have, and it's a place to to space there. And I, when it's quiet like that, my strategy is let it be quiet. When somebody's ready to talk, they'll talk. And that space when they do talk, I'm always amazed at how open and connected they are to me, to themselves. And it really opens up a space to say we're better together as a team, as a partners, as a connection to humans in the world. And it's, uh, the word fun's not really covering it. It's almost like magic because you don't really know how it all works sometimes. So that's magic when you don't know the mechanics behind it. So sometimes it occurs like magic. It's always real. And it's, I don't regret any of it. That's another story I can use if I'm if, if I, looking for that third one is when you get done being vulnerable, you won't regret it. Yeah, that was going to be my question. Was there ever a time you were vulnerable 
and you did regret it. Something came back at you. I think that's fear for people. I'm speculating. Well, it's certainly been mine. If I tell them this, they're going to, maybe that's my I'm not enough story that comes in there. Yes. There have been times when you're vulnerable like that and they make fun of you and and, they, and you weren't like in the seventh grade, right? And at first I, I was like mad at myself because I was vulnerable. And what I really, like the story I hold right now is, wow, they are that scared that they got to attack somebody when they're down because they can't be with themselves. And I'm with that, I'm going like, okay, if you're going to be that way, fine. Uh, you're not the people I want to be with. You're not the group I want to be in, the team I want to be on. I, want, I don't want to be around you. And I wish you a good life. Like, like I, I know where you're at. You're scared beyond what you can control. Me too. But I'm going to work on it to control. Not to stop the fear, but to keep the fear from preventing me from living the life I love. Thanks, Ron. I'm just thinking back in my, for my own life, you know, was I ever vulnerable and did I regret it? And I think it sometimes I did because I did have that story, right, of them being scared. Instead, it came back to me to say, I'm being judged. Mm -hmm. And that's my story, right? It's not necessarily their story. And so I, um, I did that to myself, you know, and created that. So right. it's like I regretted myself. I don't know, some weird weird way there, but thanks for that. Because I think that's a common barrier, common shield to not being vulnerable is the fear of judgment. Thanks. The story that is that I hold and occasionally I lose is that everybody's afraid. Like there's sometimes you can go, yeah, but that person's not. No, they are. They just have a really good shield and good camouflage, right? Camouflage is to hide the danger. Oh, wait, that's glamour. Either one. It's all about hiding the danger and hiding, hiding your fears in that space. And they're really good at it. What I love is when you see a moment in a movie or a show or a TV, something, right? And you'll see a place where the, the bully, whoever the bully is in the world, right? And, and portray them. And you see them in their, in their own world. And you can see that they're just as afraid as the people they're bullying, right? They're scared. This is how they defend it. And then if it's a matter of we're all scared and we all choose different ways to hide that we're scared, I want to make sure I'm choosing the one that goes with my stand. And that is to be vulnerable. Still have the fears. Fear's still here. Stories always being made up in my head. Just whether or not I let the stories control me or I get to interact between the story being made up and my actions. Mm, thank you. I, I like the seven second rule. You know, it's a little bit longer than if you drop something on the floor, but the five second rule, but uh, I like the seven seconds, right? Because it doesn't take long to be vulnerable. You may actually be able to be vulnerable in seven seconds. And what a space it opens up. And I'm just thinking back, you know, times I was vulnerable and I had that regret feeling, right? Because I was being judged. But then as I remember, maybe a month later, two months later, that same person that I made up the story, that they judged me because I, I told a vulnerable story, came back and told theirs. Yes. And it opened up a space, but it took a long time. Yeah. What is, what is our famous quote? The horse sets the pace, right? And people can only move as fast as they can move. Anything else that we're in the midst of is really about just our own stories, not theirs. But if we run up and interrupt them, they won't move. 
That won't change. And I'll just throw out there for our listeners, you know, if you tell that vulnerable story, remember the judgment is your story. That's what I've learned. It's my story that somebody is judging me. And um, you will probably be surprised. You just don't know when that'll come back and that person will open up with their own vulnerable story. So I'm always surprised how something that I say holds with somebody for a long time that they think about it. it sort of sits in the back. I call it fermenting. Oh, yeah. Right in the back of somebody's mind. Yep. And it comes back, usually in a positive way. The challenge I have for everybody listening and myself and, and Michelle, what is it that really scares you to be vulnerable about? And can you be vulnerable about it? Can you be brave for seven seconds? Can you surrender to being enough? And what would the world be like? The world might be big. What would your world be like if everybody you knew was vulnerable like that? We talked about our real fears. We got help from each other. We could accept help from each other. We could have share our real stories. What would that world look like? Is that a world you want? Is that a world you want? That's my challenge for you. Thanks, Ron. It's an excellent way to end for people to take that challenge. And I'd really be curious for people, when you think about what's the world you want and what would that change, send us a message. Let us know what you're thinking. We can always learn and there's some amazing ideas out there. So let us know. And if you enjoyed the podcast, stop it right now and jump on in whatever podcast venue you're looking at and give us a review and uh, share what it is that showed up for you as we talked about vulnerability today. And with that, thank you very much. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day.